selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Hello and welcome to Politics War Room with James Carville and I'm Al Hunt. This week we are joined by our better half to put it mildly, our better halves to put it mildly, political consultant Mary Madeline and the host of PBS NewsHour, Judy Woodruff. They both kindly consented to let us keep our maiden names, James. Remember, we take your questions each episode, so write into politicswarroom at gmail.com or send a tweet to at Politicon for next week's show. We'll get to as many as we can, and don't forget to tell us where you're from. Please check out the links to our recent sponsors and our show notes. We thank you for supporting our sponsors. It really helps make this podcast happen. Please tell your friends about us and remind them to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. James, um, on the political legislative front, this was a terrible week for Biden and the Democrats. Uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, about a minus 2. More bad polling numbers, more Democratic House members uh, retiring. Not only the worst of all, not only did Joe Manchin seem to sink Biden's major domestic initiative, health care, education, anti-poverty, climate, lowering prescription drug prices, but the White House then blasted Manchin, labeling him a liar. Now, a couple of thoughts. I don't think Joe Manchin has acquitted himself very well. He has problems with a child tax credit. James, that child tax credit is lifting 4 million kids out of poverty, and it's about to expire. He says the overall legislation is inflationary. Well, Larry Summers, an inflation hawk, says this bill is an investment. It's not inflationary. I think I'll take Summers over Manchin on inflation. However, and this is in all caps, however, James, the White House attack was a huge mistake. The Senate is 50-50. They need Manchin for lots of stuff. Voting rights, confirming judges, some appropriations. And the Republicans just march in lock, in lockstep, lockstep opposition. But on this other bill, the fat lady hadn't sung yet. 
you can still bring back a lot of good stuff in this in January or February. A scaled back version with priorities like the child tax credit are still possible. I thought as as noteworthy and, and much better uh, political taste was Nancy Pelosi's reaction to Manchin. Uh, she said, a deal's still possible. I think Joe Manchin will want to get something good. So if Biden can cut a deal with a West Virginia Democrat in January, February, not everything that everyone wanted, uh, and I, I, I would count on Nancy Pelosi to deliver the House. Look, I, I, first of all, I, I don't deny that the president's polling is low, all right? And I don't deny the fact that we hope we'd get something in December. But what, I, what gets me is this president has had a demonstratively staggering achievements in his first year. Read Matthew Winkler in Bloomberg Business Week, who you know and you say is a, is a top-flight journalist. Matthew Winkler said this might be the best first year any president's had in modern history. And he just doesn't say it. He backs it up with every kind of economic statistic you can do. Then read David Frum. In Atlantic, and your jaw drops at all of the things that happened in 2021. So, this is to me. This is the this is where we are. We've had a staggeringly successful year in the United States. I mean, staggering. I know we got the disappointment of, of, of the virus, and which is a terrible. We got therapeutics on the way. Uh, we we got the vaccine distribution. Some talk the army may have a vaccine that protects against a lot of other different things. And the problem is the culture of the Democratic Party and the culture of the coastal media. You just can't admit that anything is right. God damn it, it's just bad out there. Well, no, it really isn't. And you got people coming out of poverty. You got job creation at a regular rate. You got housing starts the highest in 50 years. Unemployment claims the lowest in 50 years. And it's just unbelievable, and all people do is whine. It's just it's part of the culture. That, that, and by the way, the supply chain stuff seems to have resolved itself. The president of Walmart, CEO of Walmart, says the Biden administration has done an excellent job. But, of course, we didn't do anything but talk about the supply chain two weeks ago. But there's never a story that most of the supply chain issues are, are getting resolved. It is just drumbeat of negative news without pause. And do I blame them? Could the White House be better at communications? Of course they could. But there's something that is not adding up in this country. It's not adding up. The record of this president under him on any variety of fronts has been stunningly good. Stunning. Well, I agree with much of that. I certainly um, agree with my former colleague, Matt Winkler, and um, I'm actually writing about that in the in the Hill this weekend. Anybody who has a dull Sunday, uh, you can read it. Uh, but James, um, that's true. But let me take you back, not quite as dramatic. Uh, the first couple Clinton years were pretty, pretty, pretty good. Did a lot of good things. Got those tax cuts, got, that, got the economy rolling again. Uh, but they set such a high predicate in the in the health care uh, bill that the, the Hillary Clinton was trying to get through. When that failed and a crime bill failed, the perception in the country, maybe some of it's the media, but the perception the Democrats set the predicate, as they have this time, was that this gang just can't get its act together. We've been told for months 
that the Biden presidency really hinged on passing this bill. We didn't hear that just from the cultural media. We heard it from the White House. We heard it from Schumer. We heard it from House leaders. So uh, I, I, I agree there is a lot good to talk about, but I think a sine qua non of being able to get that message through is passing some kind of a scale-back version of this bill to say we can get things done. First of all, we passed the crime bill. We lost the rule. That's what hurt us. Then it to come back and get right. But we did pass the crime bill and crime went substantially down after that bill was passed. You can argue causation or correlation, but you can't argue correlation. All right. It's just inarguable. So I, why did we set ourselves up? I think they'll get something uh, after the first of the year. But it doesn't matter that they didn't get it does not diminish or discount all of the other accomplishments that we've had in this country in the year 2021. I just don't hear people say, this was not a good year. This was a staggeringly good year. And no one wants to say it. Because, well, look, like 42% approval on jobs. Okay. Well, I wonder why. And if you just keep pounding people and supply chain endlessly, and then when the supply chain, I'm not saying it's resolved, and not issues when it get it in there, but it's not anything like we used to, but you never see a story about that. Never. All right, you have to go to the deepest financial sites to see that housing starts, uh, or more housing starts at any time since 1969. All right, unemployment claims, the lowest since 1969. James, I've read that in the New York you read, Times. You read, read it once. You read it once. Okay. You had a report well, on it. Okay. It it, sit here and, and you're listening to the show. What do you hear more about? Supply chain issues or, or, or inflation? Or do you hear more about how few, few jobless claims and housing starts we have? All right. Just ask yourself. And if the New York Times is doing such a great job, okay. Ask, ask our, our people that listen to the show. What do you hear more about? It's just relentless, and it's not just the times, it's everything else, and, it, 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 and it's also democratic messaging. They don't get out there, and they just go along with the, the oh, well, it's Bo BB, and Biden's in trouble, and retirements, and but he just responds. Well, he shouldn't be. The record does not, does not any way justify this, and the only way to correct that is argue about it, fight about it, push it. And everybody's got to get on board here. But just think this country's going a lot better than anybody thinks, and somebody's at fault here. Let me get back to what I think is the most important thing, which is whether you can get that, that bill through, which is going to affect an awful lot of people. And, and, and I, want to, I want to drill down a little bit on the, on the child tax credit. That is the single most important anti-poverty measure that we've done in this country for a long time. As I said earlier, 4 million kids lifted out of poverty. Uh, the increase in it is due to expire in December. There's a way to get that done. If Joe Manchin is as reasonable as I have thought he was, I have doubts now, but if he is. I mean, right now, that's $3,600 for any kid under six, $3,600 a year, 300 a month, 3000 for any kid over six. Uh, and and the bill that they're trying to pass, it's refundable. Refundable is a huge issue because that means that a lot of people 
who are poor and don't pay taxes can get it, and they're the ones that need it the most. You can lower that amount to $3,000, $2,500. Right now it goes up to people making $400,000. Lower that to two fifty. that will take care of the cost measures. Pass it for three years. There are other measures, universal pre-K that can be done. There are things that can be done in that bill as long as people don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. And whether it should or whether it shouldn't, politically and psychologically, it's critical. I think it's, I think it's, it's very important. I hope it's, I hope we get something done on it. But if you don't, it doesn't distort everything else. All right? It just, it's, just, it's not the, the success or failure of 2021 does not just depend on passing one piece of legislation. I hope in part it might be, and I agree, I think it was something like had a, a 40% reduction in child poverty, which is the most moral act that a government can do. And, and, right. but, but it doesn't, you can, you can say we didn't get it and we should have had it, but that does not diminish the other staggering accomplishments of this year. And they have to be acknowledged and they have to be praised. Well, the other thing is by scaling back some of that actually could be good politics. Democrats, uh, too many Democrats you talk to, rightly or wrongly, feel they're on the defensive. Uh, if you take out a couple provisions because uh, you have to scale back, like m- better Medicare provisions for dental and, uh, and vision or hearing, uh, I'd love to campaign on that if I'm a Democrat almost anywhere in the country. So, um, uh, you know, there are things you have to take out can become winners for you next right. fall. I, I, so yeah. I, I think there's a long way to right. go on this. I think, as I say, the White House really mishandled. I, uh, I wonder what I guess. I, I, I have no right. grief for what, how Manchin handled himself. Right. But you don't put out a statement uh, blasting uh, and calling someone a liar when you have to deal with him over the next you know, couple of months. I think people are exhausted. I think the White House staff is exhausted. I think Senator Manchin is exhausted. Right? And I think that what we need is one giant timeout after the first of the year. Because you're right, that, that, that wasn't wise. I don't know who thought of that, but it's somebody that has not had a lot of sleep lately. All right? And, right. and people Agreed. just, and I think Senator Manchin is exhausted. I mean, everywhere the guy goes, it's in the thing. It's just, you know, in the National Labor Relations Board, they have something called a cooling off period. And there's a reason they have that. Because when these things get so intense and, you know, you son of a bitch, you motherfucker this, and you did this, and you lied to me. No, you yeah. lied to me. It, 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 it doesn't do any good. And, and uh, you know, if you t- listen to everybody, they, they got a side of the story why they're right. Well, it doesn't matter who's really right. What matters is 50. I, I, I said on uh, one of the shows this week, they need to get a second-grade math teacher to Washington and explain the number 50, all right? And it's the number that lies between 49 and 51. And it's the only number that you can have to pass anything in the United States Senate. So you could, you know, shoot your guns in the air and run around the circle and form a posse or do anything you want. But that's just the cold, hard fact of life. Now, if we pick up a couple, three Senate seats, then you're in a lot better shape. But, but right now, this is where you are, period. That's the game you're in. And I think in contrast to that mistake, which was made maybe because they're too tired uh, and and Biden listened to staff when he shouldn't have, uh, Speaker Pelosi had a much more measured reaction, saying, basically, I think we can work with Joe Manchin and we can get something done. Uh, And I think that's uh, that's the adult. She don't get tired. And, And I'll tell you something. 
if if they cut some kind of deal in the in the Senate, they're now stories saying, well, the House liberals that will, will never buy it. If they cut a deal in the Senate that Biden and Manchin and Schumer go along with, I'll I'll, I'll bet you anything, and bet anyone out there anything, Nancy Pelosi will get it through the House. She'll get it through. Now she seems like a baby. James, no, I, I could agree with you more. She don't get tired. Yeah. I don't get it. Um, I, you know, we let's talk about this Omicron. Um, yeah, there is some Ooh. certainly some some good news in the sense of a lot of developments are taking place. I think Biden on this was very good the other day. I think he struck exactly the right tone. Uh, he realizes we cannot do a lockdown again, uh, no matter what country wouldn't tolerate that. He urged strongly more people to get vaccinated or boosted. I don't know how much difference that would make because a lot of people just don't want to do it. But I, I, I thought he was I thought he's very good. Uh, I think arguably he, he could have been a little bit more aggressive or bolder. Eric Topol, a cardiologist who you and I both think has been Ugh. very, very good on this said, you know, hey, 500 million tests, yeah, that's great, but there ought to be more. That's, that's insufficient. Uh, and, every, and we ought to get boosters for seniors and those who need it, not six months after their last booster, but four months or three months, as some other countries are, are doing. And there is this drug that uh, can have a real impact on people who, um, uh, who come down with it. Uh, and we ought to do everything, not just FDA approval, but to get it manufactured out and into people's hands. So, um, yeah, I think Biden did well, but this thing probably ain't going to go away uh, soon. It may may run its course in the next month. But every day I read in the papers of somebody who's canceled an event or games being canceled or friends coming down with it. So uh, it's 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 here for now, and we have to adapt and adjust, but uh, we can do that. Well, I, I don't know Eric Topol, but I would have to say I hang on his every word. And I think other public health professionals, you know, if you look him up, I mean, he ran a cardiac thing at the Cleveland Clinic. I mean, he, he, yeah, and he runs the, I think the right, Scripps right. Institute. This guy he? is a stud on steroids. I'm not saying that he can't be wrong yeah. about anything. And and he makes a point, and I think it's right. He, I don't think Biden went far enough in this. You know, I'm a huge defender of this administration. But, but he, we should invoke the National Defense Production Act and get these goddamn therapeutics and get them out all over the country and pronto. And he's right. But let's, you know, why a half a billion tests when you do two billion tests, all right? You, you probably got another six to eight weeks of this crap. And it, it could be all, and everybody says it could be an awful six to eight weeks. And you got to put, we got tools out there, man. We got really good tools. And by the way, you know, the Israelis, have now, you know, said anybody over 65 needs a full shot. You know, these uh, QAnon people, they go, where we go one, we all go all. Where, where the Jews go, I go. <laughs> when, when they say it's time for something, I get out in front of it. I, 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 am a, I have great trust in Israeli medicine. I follow it closely. And they're saying, you know, get boosted after four months. I, I got a feeling, and, and Eric Topol says that, well, I don't know. That's a, that's a lot of evidence saying you ought to be thinking about getting another booster. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. Yeah. <laughs> you sure should, and if you can, 
You can go have an antibodies test to see if you needed it. Maybe you can wait a month or so, but, uh, you know, we shouldn't set some arbitrary six-month. Or actually, right now, there's not approval. There's not a formal approval for a fourth booster. We ought to expedite yeah. that. Uh, because, because James, you're right. This may last for another six but, or eight weeks. All we, indications are it's much less lethal than the previous variants. There's not going to be as many people hospitalized. But when you have so many people getting it, there are going to be, be people hospitalized. And a lot of these hospitals, as our great guest last week, Dr. Cornelia Griggs told us, they are really, they're, oh, they're full. They're, they I don't are, know. If I, they yeah, are really I, I don't know. Out. Like these places in Michigan or Wisconsin, I don't know if they can make another four weeks. I think it was Eric Topple. You know, did a th that, that story out of Denmark, it, one of the things within the story that he points out that he missed, and somebody pointed out for him, I like that, humble guy, is the hospitalization rate in Denmark under Delta was 1.5 or 8%, something like that, and under this is 0.6, which, again, and I did too, we saw the Denmark stuff, and we get, oh my God, it's Denmark, all right? But but actually, if you dig a little deeper, there is some even in Denmark. Uh, there's some reason for optimism, but we, we don't. Yeah, yeah, and but that's assuming that the contagion rate doesn't explode. Oh, yes, yeah, so, so, you know, look, like, if you got six tenths of a percent hospitalization, you know, if you got one point six percent, but you got a hundred thousand people, well, if you got six tenths and you got three hundred thousand people, then that ain't that good. <laughs> I mean, small, yeah, yeah, small yeah. percentages and big but, numbers like a lot. But uh, going back to the point made by by uh, those two great doctors, Dr. Topol and Dr. Carville, a doctor in tresology, um, I, I agree. Do more. Do more. Right. Now, you can't do lockdowns. You can't close yeah, schools. Yeah, it just, I yeah. mean, the social fabric won't take yeah. that. It's a bad idea. Yeah. Uh, but you can do everything else. And I think Biden did well, and he ought to do so, more. These things are, are doubling or tripling every day. So I, I read this. Maybe you, you've heard of this. So the guy that has the chessboard, the, the king wants to pay him for this great invention. And he said, I don't want any money. All I want you to do is put a grain of rice on square one. And then every day, just double the grains of rice. So on the second day, you had two grains of rice. By the time you got to the 64 square you had 14 quadrillion. You could have covered the earth in rice. All right? If you start a month with a penny and you double it every day, on day 31, you have like $10 million. The, the way this thing is going, I mean, it's the law of geometric mathematical progression. Right? When, you, when these things start doubling, watch out. Now, hopefully it right. peters itself out, but it, it's, it's troubling. It's troubling. Well, it's, it's, it's not totally parallel, but the South African experience, limited, only three weeks, is, is, is encouraging. Yeah, I, 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 I would admit to that. You know, people say be a little careful, a little different demographic. You know, younger, right. but probably less healthy. But it is. They were younger, it, right. and, and I think they have a, a, a decent high-end public health system in South Africa. I mean, they sure reported it right away. They didn't bullshit around. Yeah. Anything. And, you know, the first heart transplant took place in South Africa. I, I think high-end medicine in South Africa is probably pretty good. I, I don't know a thing I about it, but I, I, I suspect right. I, I we, we know, as you said earlier, that it is in Israel. Yes, I know so, that. Um, I, 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 what, what is, not, and I'm sure it is in Denmark, right. too. I have, I have 
great faith in Eric Topol and Israeli public health. <laughs> yep. Well, all right, everybody, just be careful. Don't, as, as Biden said, don't panic. Uh, the odds are, are, are great that this is much less lethal than other ones, but take precautions. If you go out, wear masks. Don't go to big parties. If you're going to travel, wear an N95 mask, socially distance. Uh, you know, this is going to run yes. its course. But, you know, the next couple of weeks could be challenging. Oh, I, the number of people that I, that I talk to that tell me they, got, they know 15, 20 people with this. And all 15 or 20 people I know are, are, are vaccinated. I promise you. I don't, I don't think I talk to, you know, three unvaccinated people a week. And, and no, everybody I mean, and I, that uh, these people know is, is vaccinated. And, you know, it's just this is just a highly transmissible virus. And I hate right. it, but it's what it is. All right, everybody out there, stay safe, okay? Because we need you back next yeah, week. Yeah, the, the other thing, it's just like, and we've talked about this before, Albert. I'm sick of these fucking anti-vax people. I, I, I don't. I, 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 I don't understand you. I don't want to understand you. I think you're stupid. I think you're immoral. All right? I think you're selfish. And if you had any guts at all, you'd take out an ad in the paper saying, I'm so sure of myself, I will never show up at, at, at an emergency room with this disease because I know as a moral person that somebody else who might really be sick will need it. I, 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 I really, like... I, I, you know, they they go crazy. Of course, you can't do this. I'd I'd make them all wear a red X on their head. All right. Uh-oh. Sarah Palin said this week, "I'll get vaccinated only over my dead body." Sorry, sassy. They don't vaccinate you on your dead body. Well, that that uh, that gives you a good idea of just, that's the kind right, of stupidity that, that that tells you everything yeah. you need to know. Sarah it Palin does. won't take it. Whatever. So who are you going to trust? All right. There's really public health to Sarah Palin, all right? Eric Topple or Sarah Palin? But I, this is not a hard choice, people. This is really not very hard for anybody. I don't even pit the two doctors, Dr. Topo or Dr. Paul. I think I know I know where I'm going if I'm Dr. sick. Dr. Griggs, okay? It's not like there's a big— or Dr. Griggs. Dr. Griggs is right up I, there right, with I Dr. Topo. It's not, but, but it's not like you go, well— you know, they don't sell. You get what? No, everybody's the same thing. Get your ass boosted. Yep. All right. Wear a good mask. I mean, we all know. Get, but get these motherfucking therapeutics out there. I mean, people can take these things at home. I mean, it's a lot of it's a lot of pills. It's like thirty pill regimen. But who cares? Anything's better than. I have some close friends got this crap, and, and everybody has the same thing. It's not pleasant, man. Right. You know. We'll get through it. All right, James, we've got a whole bunch of really sharp questions from our very sharp listeners. Let me start with Maureen in Tallahassee, Florida. She said, I thought if you tried to incite people to rebel against the government, it would meet the definition of sedition a crime against the state. Don't the attacks on government officials qualify as treason? Any chance Republicans will face consequences for these actions? Well, first of all, I love, there's an old Freddie Cannon story, the song, the old Freddie Cannon song, Tallahassee Lassie. You know, he did this, he did Way Down Yonder in New Orleans and 
What was his name? Freddie Freddie Cowan. Uh, Freddie Cowan. I got, I got yeah. a Tallahassee right. lassie. She has a hi-fi chassis. <laughs> you probably couldn't right. get away with saying that today. But Tallahassee is like. Well, that may have been Maureen. Tallahassee, you know, reminds me in some, a lot, in some ways of, 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 of Baton Rouge because you got the state capital and you got, you know, large state university there. It's, it's a great, great town. There's a lot of, a lot of good stuff in Tallahassee. Uh, but, you know, I. I she makes a very good point, as you would expect. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm going to follow up because Dot uh, will just group them. And Alexandria, Virginia, asked a similar question. Uh, and she starts with the language of the Second Amendment. Uh, but she asked, can you explore the difference between treason, sedition, and the rights of a well-regulated militia? Hey, Dot. That's a really good question. Treason and sedition are first cousins. I mean, sedition is inciting people to rebel, rebel against this, the, the, the order, the existing order. Sometimes uh, that kind of, if you, those great uh, patriots in 1776 engaged in sedition. That was good sedition. Uh, but what these people are doing now is different, and treason is betraying your country and betraying the, the, the values your country stands for. And your third, the well-regulated militia, which is in the Second Amendment, that's the right to bear arms because we need a well-regulated militia. It doesn't say that we can go out in the streets with our AK-47 and pop off anybody who gets in our way. So uh, your question is very good, Dot. Uh, I think it, it applies to the January 6th group and the January 6th hearings that will probably commence in February. So you see this, they call themselves patriots, all right? They're, they're criminals at, at, at best. That's the best definition I can get to. It's a lot of my ex-military, right? So when you join the military, you're just an enlisted man, you E1, the first thing you learn are your general orders, all right? Just people will come up to you and say, what is the first general order? That is the order that every uniformed American is guided by at a sentry post. The first general order, I know this is true of the Marines, I'm sure it's true of the other branches. I will take charge of all government property in my view. That's the first thing they tell you. Right? You're walking a post. You're responsible for all of the U.S. government property that, you're, that is in your view. I am almost certain that the United States Capitol is U.S. government property. All right? So. so you have these former Marines and former soldiers and, 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 air, and uh, airmen and, and sailors and guardsmen that, that claiming that they're patriots, they're not even paying attention to the first thing they learn. The first thing you learn, I will take charge of all government property in my view. Then it goes on as to you, what you inform your commanding officer, you, you relief, you know, you walk your thing smartly or you got to have a, you know, loaded piece and all of that. But that is the first thing, the first, the first thing they teach you. And these people claim that they're patriots and they love the military. I don't know what the fuck they're talking about. I agree. Odessa in Bondi Beach, Sydney, oh, Australia. Yeah, I got to tell you. Yeah, we... 
Bondi Beach, Sydney, Australia. Man, you, you can't picture anything better than that. She asked, this is a good, really good question. She's paying attention to a lot of things going on over here. Why aren't everyday heroes like the first small town doctor, Art Van Zee, who oh, was yeah. one of the first to sound the alarm on COVID, given more credit? I actually think Odessa, Art Van Zee was the first to sound the alarm on the opioid right. crisis in rural Virginia. Right. But your point is a very, very good one. Uh, don't you agree, I, James? I, I, I totally of- agree. And it's a really good book. And God damn it, the author is going to be mad at me because I'm having a brain thought. Man, Art Van Zee is dope sick. I th- I'm not sure. Okay, this guy. I think it yeah, is. Yeah, it, 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 this guy is like one of these really American heroes. You know, in a, John Barry in the, in the influenza of 1918, it was a GP in the middle of Kansas that first figured this out. Right, just just a guy in a horse and buggy treating. Patients in rural Kansas, but there's been a problem. Is there's so many heroic, you know, so many greedy ones too. (laughs) But there's so many heroic doctors. Well, it's Art Van Zee versus one of our sphincter Ivy League Hall of Fame honorees last week, Richard Sackler. Yeah, Uh, that's the easiest choice one could ever make. Art Van Zee is a hero, and Richard Sackler is a Corrupt thank, 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 thank you uh, for, for bringing Art Van Zee up, and you're exactly right. By the way, I, I, you know, it's, it's against the rules, so it, but our next induction class, I, I'm going to nominate Dr. Oz. And if you just think you don't know enough about Dr. Oz, Google John Oliver, Dr. Oz. And this is one of the worst human beings that you can imagine. All right? He, he has the Donald J. Trump of medicine with nothing but f- fake cures and anything else. So we, we're keeping them Next old. question is Joe in Sacramento, California, who asked, uh, does the state have the instinct and the will to protect itself if things really devolve into widespread violence? He said the Confederate war veterans were hardened in the view that the battle would have been, so it would have been harder to reorient. The average MAGA veteran, on the other hand, is just an average low-achieving schmuck who needs to find some way to feel just a little less shitty about himself. Yeah, sort of, uh, Joe. I think the contrast is an interesting one, but as our guest Bart Gelman told us uh, a couple weeks ago, Sadly, some of these people are not as low-achieving schmucks as you would think. He dealt with a fireman from the Bronx, I think it was, or Queens, James, who just believes this crap. And they read so much on social media, and it's so insidious and sometimes so clever that uh, it's really hard to convince people. I am totally convinced, without any inside knowledge, that when this January 6th committee unveils what it has, which I guess, my guess is going to be in about six weeks, it's going to be incredibly compelling. I'm just not sure that the people like Bart Gelman's fireman friend will pay any attention. Well, I don't think, I I, I think if if I'm a future researcher, let's say I'm a graduate student in college and I'm looking for something to write a, a, a thesis or dissertation out, my and I, I think you're going to hit go is to find the levels of sexual frustration among people at the capital or among people that follow this, as opposed to the general population. And I think that an inordinate amount of these people, frankly, uh, well, 
they can't get laid, and if they could, they can't get an erection. And I think this is what manifests itself. I don't, I don't know that, but boy, if I was supervising somebody's dissertation, I'd say, you know, how, how can we set up an experiment? So how do we explain, James, that there's a larger number of women than you would expect? Well, they're having their problems, too. There's something is wrong. There's okay, something then. that is, and, and I, I, you know, just because sex is kind of the first place you look. But they, 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 they lack, there's something fundamentally lacking in these people. And I, 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 I'm pretty sure they have a common trait, you know, and I, I, the first place I would look is sexual frustration. But I, I don't have any proof of that. James, Jack, in a little town I think you've heard of called New Orleans, Louisiana, he said he thinks the best candidates for the Democrats in 2024 are Mitch Landrieu, Andy Bashir, and Amy Klobuchar, and Eric Adams, who he says would be a dark horse, the new mayor of New York. I think they're good at messaging. He's skeptical of the Biden run because Biden's going to be in his 80s, and that's not what we need. I just add to that, Andrew in Los Angeles asked, how about Gavin Newsom? Well, uh, first of all, if Mitch Landrieu runs, I would be for him in a heartbeat. I don't know, Biden, I mean, there's a lot of, as we say, there's a lot of football left to play between 9 But, man, there's some real talent in this party. And I'm I'm really afraid that it's being suppressed. A lot of House members. I mean, I can't. We're gonna, we're gonna get him on the show. I, I can't tell you how impressed I am with this Congressman Arizona, Ruben Gallego. But but you, you you look in the House and you look across the Democratic Party. Man, there's some real talent there. And I'm afraid that we're gonna get smothered before any of this talent can come out. With, I mean the. Some of the communicators we got, uh, Jennifer Granholm, she's freaking unbelievable. Buttigieg is very good on his feet. I mean, we got some good people. I need to keep in mind. Rondo. Well, Gina's, Governor Gina's, yeah. it, I mean, a, a, a world-class communicator. I I don't know, but I, I'm not. One time with her, she, we can't get yeah, her on our hey, show. Hey, we'll have to change Gina, that. Yeah, we're trying to get you on. We're saying nice things about you. Right, you want to communicate as good as right, you are, right. Gina. Come, come on. on. Come on, uh, War Room. You know, it's the same question, our final question. This is Tim in Evansville, Indiana, who, again, talks about, you know, the lack of communication and the consequences of uh, the, the blatant uh, attacks on the other side. He said, no one is half the battle and everyone should effing know by now. How do we get strong Democratic communicators off their asses and out in front? Who needs to take the lead? Well, I... If there's a piece in Atlantic by a, a journalist, Elaine Godfrey, that quoted me extensively, and, and at least has to come to the White House, and they have to have ruthless, disciplined messaging, which I know people don't like to be told what to do. And we Democrats, James, I, I'm a person. I, I have an opinion. I'm going to render opinion. Well, if you render your stupid-ass opinion, then you're not getting anything, all right? If, if you stick to a, a, a basic communications plan and follow it up and enforce it, then you're going to do something. Fox doesn't, they don't get distracted, man. They, you know, they, they look for stuff to just go over and over and over again. The, the nature of democratic culture is to complain and to always, you know, to, to not acknowledge success, but to always talk about failure. And if you keep doing that, failure, you're going to make failure real because you're going to fail. And the only way yeah. you're going to succeed is get out there and tell people what to say. And I run campaigns, and I, I tell people, let me tell you something. 
in, 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 in a democracy, a campaign is not a democracy. We don't take any votes around here. All right? I'm sorry. We're just not going to do that. I'm not going to get on it. Well, how about they came to you, James, and they said, we want to unionize. What would you tell them? And I'm a big supporter of unions. And so a campaign maybe lasts five, six months. And, you know, people want, they claim they, want to, well, they don't want to work on the weekends. Well, go do something else for a living. All right? Join a teacher's union. All right? Get, get in a profession. Be a, be, become an electrician. You have a 40-hour week, you get huge overtime. But if you want to work on a freaking campaign, you're going to have to work on Sunday. All right? You're going to have to work late at night. All right? You just got to suck it up. And and I would be – and the problem is it's a very short job. So every time the campaign manager wants to do something, he's got to go to the union representative and say, well – you know, this research I'm getting here is substandard. Uh, you got to say, oh, no, you can't do that, James. I, I, if, if they want to be in a union, that's fine, as long as the union lets them work 85 hours a week, then I don't care. Yeah. I, I, I'm serious. I, I don't know. I, I, I've never knew. Everybody I ever knew was, you know, mostly when people become interested in campaigns, they're young. In, in my experience is, shit, they want to work 85 hours a week. They're not looking not to. I mean, they view this as a, you know, opportunity of a lifetime for for just having fun, for advancement, for for doing anything. I mean, do, should you want to win? Right. See, you don't want forty-hour right. work weeks. You can have all the fucking unions you want after you win. I think it's just jackassery. Okay, I agree. James, you got something else on your mind? Yeah, I do. I, I want to pay all homage to one of our recent Ivy League Sink the Hall of Fame inductees, and that is J.D. Vance. Mm -hmm. All right, we don't have mm -hmm. any idea of how freaking, I don't know what J.D. Vance is, so let's just start with this. Somebody, some fake website put out that Biden was designing concentration camps and everything else. Of course, this asshole immediately tweets it. And, and the name of the HHS secretary was taken from a TV show. But and, and I, and, and I think Josh Mandel is awful, right? But <laughs> J.D. Vance is so fucking stupid. He said he would offer for $10,000 contribution that you could have dinner with him and Peter Thiel. And... Josh Mandel came back, which one, it was, it's a brilliant political move, I was telling you. He said, for $10, you can eat on the hood of my pickup truck at the Chick-fil-A while I'm out campaigning. All right, you got, you got, you got to say, all right, you got to say, all right, man, that, that's, oh, J.D., he just walked right in. He, that guy better quit before he, he you know, he talks about his family in Ohio. Man, you better get you, you better get out of there before you just totally fucking humiliate yourself. You don't know James, what you're that's doing. Like, uh, that's like, you know, whenever it was, eight, ten years ago, people were saying that uh, Obama had to work the Congress harder and said, you ought to go have a beer with <laughs> Mitch McConnell. And Obama said, you go have a beer yeah. with Mitch McConnell. I, I, I really find it hard to criticize <laughs> Obama for not having a beer with Mitch McConnell. Hey, by the way, I'm sure Mr. McConnell would never be able to do it. But I, I just think that, that J.D. Vance is just lives up to our 
you know, him being in our Ivy League. Thinking, you know, he was a worthy, he's a really worthy he inductee. Really, really. He might not be up there with John C. Calhoun, but let me tell you, man, you know, he, he may not be like Willie Mays, but he's easily, you know, you know, Lefty Grove. Or, I don't know who. <laughs> he's very worthy. Hey, James, uh, you may be bragging a little bit, but we've had some awfully good guests on this show. Uh, Nancy Pelosi, uh, Tony Blair, last week, our favorite, Cornelia Griggs. But I think you and I would have to agree that the best guest we've ever had on will be this week. And namely, that is Mary Madeline, as in Mary Madeline and James Carville, and Judy Woodruff, as in Judy Woodruff and Albert Hunt. James, you better agree with that. I don't, I, you get no argument from me. It's what all my Well, no are. argument because I'm sitting right next to him and I've got, I've got him by the short hairs. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Boy, you got to reach for short hairs for him, huh? I'll tell you, Mayor. All right, let's, you know, let other people talk about politics and the country and the world and all that. Let's talk about Christmas and what we're going to do. Mary, how much of you all have it all had to adjust, adapt? your Christmas plans, and can you spend it with your kids? You know, this is a, I'm very excited this year. I just rolled back into New Orleans because ever since the wedding, thanks you guys for coming, I got a cold the next day, so I'm just now coming out of that. And uh, so I just got back, it's so beautiful here, but we, this is the first year that we're, our daughter and her new husband are going to be hosting us on Christmas Eve. Wow. And then, this brunch, and then we go to mass, and then we go to James's, aunt, James's sister, where there will be literally 175 car bills. We'll be outside. I'm going <laughs> to tell you that. Yeah. And then on Christmas Day, we go into, I'm very excited. There's a new place in Oregon called the St. Vincent Hotel, a place called San Lorenzo, and it's really quite good. And it's, it's one of these, used to be an insane asylum, and I, they got a bunch of tax credits, you know, so we're pretty excited about that. But take it easy. You know, we're really excited about this year. James has insisted on, um, and I agree, one of our few marital agreements, a humble and modest and grateful Christmas. We're so grateful for your friendship, and I don't know if it's COVID, it's geezerhood or what it is, but I'm so, every Christmas is just a blessing. I think the wedding was enough celebration to last <laughs> Well, now, I, Judy, tell, tell Mary and James what, uh, what we're going to do and not do. Well, we are, we are having a quieter than usual Christmas, too. We usually go to Vail to ski. We didn't do it last year because of COVID, and we won't do it this year. In fact, I, at one, I made three different sets of hotel reservations thinking, I was desperate to get our family out of town over the holidays, but I've ended up canceling all three of them in different states, <laughs> Colorado, Florida, and North Carolina, just because um, it's just not safe to go anywhere. So we're going to stay here, but we're going to be with family. Yeah. The good thing is, okay, I'll talk about the good, the good thing is that we're going to have all of our children with us. So, so I saw a piece of news that'll make it feel better. Eagle County, Colorado has really high infection rates and they've instituted a, a mass mandate. So you probably, right? probably made a good decision to, to stay home. Yeah, uh, I, I think you're right. Tell me also be We got the three dogs. Well, we've got, uh, we, we share uh, with our daughter, Hemi, um, an incredible golden retriever named Shiloh. 
But in addition to that, Ben Hunt is bringing home from North Carolina uh, his uh, little dachshund uh, rescue dog, uh, T-Rex. T-Rex is about this big, this long and this high, um, and, along with Ben's girlfriend's dog, whose name is Zuko. They're both of these dogs. Who's a German the, Shepherd. Who's yeah. a German Shepherd. They're the sweetest dogs you've ever seen. But we'll see what the mix is like when the German Shepherd and the dachshund get together with the golden. There, there, there was some fear that the uh, that the golden, the Shiloh, may still be in heat. We don't think so. I said, I don't, I don't think the dachshund's a threat. I'm not, I'm not worried about that. Al contraire, I had doxies for, and they, I had them for a long time. They are the most smartest and resilient and, and adventurous and ambitious dogs. If it's a boy doxy, I would lock up that girl. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love this dog, T-Rex. I mean, he has eyes that are human, and I just, I adore that dog. I'm so excited to, that Ben is bringing T-Rex. So what about animals in the Carville household? I can't, I, we had to leave because I'm too geezer to travel. It's, and traveling is a real, can I say this on your podcast, a shit show. I mean, it's just so insane. And traveling with animals this time of year. So I had to leave Harry with our niece, but we are, Maddie has a house full of not only animals, she's now an aquarist. She's raising fish, snails, and frogs. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> well, I don't know. You, you you suggested earlier, Mayor, that you it's, it's going to be a modest Christmas. Every day, Judy goes to work the news hour, and I'm here, and every day, the last four days, about five huge packages arrive for her. And I bring no, them up. No, there are things that I ordered for family and members, I, including... And I said, boy, I no, no. I said, I'm going to really do well. At which point she said, hey, they're not for you. So, uh, uh, we'll say, but you know something? I still have my Shenandoah t-shirt from the wedding. So therefore, if I don't get anything else, I'll wear my Shenandoah t-shirt. And your soaps, I hope. <laughs> yes, I do. You know, I made all those soaps by hand. Did you really? Oh my God. Yeah, I made like 500 bars of soap. I'm still, I am using mine. I, I have three bars and I've only used one. I've got two, two to go. Those are fantastic. They're all natural, Judy. Good for your skin. Yeah. And, and no, I love that. And I love I love the way you put the colors together. But the reason we're getting all these boxes is because I've waited till the last I waited till Sunday to start ordering things for Christmas for certain family members. And so huh. it's kind of, in kind of a flood. But I you know, I have to say a big shout out to the delivery people, the mail people. They think of how hard they are working right now. Oh my gosh. They are rushing to fill these orders in one day or two days, and I don't know how they do it. And they remain with the Christmas spirit, or the Hanukkah spirit, or the Kwanzaa spirit, not a mean one. They're really just, they're like Santas, little Santas. I love it. I'm with you. I, I actually went to the post office today to mail something, a package to my sister, and they, in Georgia, I, I mean, I just, I just hope everybody realizes how hard these people work. I'd look, I'm a big believer in the postal service. My great-grandmother was a postmistress at Carville. My grandfather was, and my dad was. There were three generations of Carville at the Carville, Louisiana Post Office. So I'm, I'm, I'm a son of a postal, of a postmaster. 
You know what else? James is also an aficionado of zip codes, of his many weird things, and there are many. He loves zip codes. He's a zippity shootout zip code man. Are you, are you a nine-digit zip code person, James, or, or a five? Five. I, I lose where I got five fingers. No, it's more like a superstitious betting thing. Like a lot of our addresses and zip codes have had sevens and ones, sevens and elevens in them. Yeah, so. well, I grew up in 70721, and I live in 70130. So I, I think we're going to get rid of sevens. Yeah, but I like it. It's a, it's a gambler's name. <laughs> I never got, have gotten into zip codes, James, but I used to really be into area codes. And there was oh, a time, oh. I bet you 30 years ago, I knew 90% of the area codes in America. Now they've changed so damn much. You, you know, right. I mean, yeah. so you, it's. So let me tell you a little factoid. You know why New York has 212 and LA 213 and Chicago 312? No. no. The most populous places got a short pull. So it had area codes, it was a, you had a rotary phone. Uh, All right, so if you dial 212, you had three short pulls. You couldn't use one because you had right. 114 or whatever. So the bigger metropolitan areas, if you look, uh, Washington wasn't that big because they got an O. Yeah, we have two two two. Two. Yeah. 213, Chicago 312, LA 213, San Francisco 415. 415, yeah. And right, what it's is, just what is New Orleans? Five oh four. So we got a, a kind of medium, two medium poles and a long pole. What's that? Atlanta, Atlanta's four oh four. I do know that 404. one. North Carolina, a lot of is nine one nine. But Atlanta was not when they did that. I mean, the, the growth in Atlanta has been like enormous. See, I want yeah. all those young listeners out there. To understand, this is what happens when you get old. <laughs> you talk about codes and you talk about area codes. But let me add to this for young people. The reason we're all so good at it is when we were all doing politics in those area code days, and you're getting calls from all over the country, like if you wanted to avoid somebody, uh-oh, it's 404 calling in, we don't want to talk to So remember, we like... It, it was like a code language. It actually still is a very prideful thing down here. People have had to say 504. So, so they're young people. Yeah, but now, now they they carry their their zip. I mean, their area code with them and their with their cell phones, even when they move away from wherever. I, I was very good. At it. I don't know anybody's phone number anymore. The only phone number I know is mine. <laughs> Everything else is in the phone. <laughs> it's actually kind of frightening. We are really dependent on our machines. Do you guys find it more difficult now that your girls are older to think of what you want to give them for Christmas, or do they just tell you what to give them? Well, our girls are easy because one is just like her mama. <laughs> so she and I went to the jewelry store today for her to get James's present for mama and for me to get a present for her. No, I love, love you know, we don't, we I'm do getting Christmas. a lot of pressure now in the jewelry store. Al <laughs> <laughs> I'll bought me some socks, he told me. We got a wrap, Al. Okay. Yeah, we're fortunate men. Thank you all so much, ladies. Yeah, and a Merry Christmas to both of you and both your girls and your son-in-law, okay? 
Merry we Christmas will. to you and yours and your menagerie. And my youngest daughter, Barbara. Love to both of oh, you yeah. and your whole family. Have a great Christmas. All right. Thank you all so much. Hey, thanks for listening to Politics War Room with James Carville and I'm Al Hunt. Don't forget to send your questions for us by email to politicswarroom at gmail.com or tweet them for next week's show at Politicon. To keep up with us, subscribe to Politics War Room on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Please rate the show with a five-star review. We'll be back next week with another show as we continue our War Room planning. And to all of you out there, a very Merry Christmas. I hope we have a gator bow. <laughs>